Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Pastor Greg's welcome tonight. Such a wonderful spirit here. Second Corinthians chapter 5, if you want to turn there with me. I want to minister from this pastor's gift. We so appreciate the blessing of the Lord, and we're expecting an outpouring of God's spirit, manifestation of his presence in this conference. This is a dispensation of the church. What God is doing in this dispensation is he's building the church. In Ephesians chapter 2, talks about the middle wall of partition being removed by the Lord Jesus Christ, both Jew and Gentile being joined together to make one new man. That's the church of Jesus Christ. I've heard uh, recently in conversation and in preaching the terms uh, evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. This is what we are. This is what we do. Can you say amen? Amen. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes uh, uh, this uh, evening from this passage of Scripture because there's great confusion in our generation about what the church is. What is it supposed to be doing? How is it supposed to go about that? And uh, the Apostle Paul speaks in this passage of Scripture, Second Corinthians chapter 4, beginning verse 14, He talks about the motivation that the church has to have and should have, the activity it ought to be involved in, and the resources of both material and human personnel that ought to be involved. And he talks about the church is compelled to sin. Some years ago, I read a book. Uh, It's an old book. It isn't new, probably 20 years ago. The God Who Sins. This is what Paul is talking about as I read these scriptures, 2 Corinthians 5, beginning with, with verse 14. For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they who live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. For this reason, know we no man after the flesh, yes, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now from this moment know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ have, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, uh, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses 
unto them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God does beseech you by us. We beg you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God, for he's made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Compelled to sin. So consider with me for a moment the truth about sin. The devil constantly tries to cloud over the reality of sin, but we want to think about that for a moment because a, uh, a failure by our first parents, Adam and Eve, uh, in disobedience, brought a horrible cataclysm upon the earth. That cataclysm touched not only mankind, but affected the creation itself. In Romans 8, verse 22 says, For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. So what we're experiencing in our lives and in our ministries as we minister in this tent is the outworking of the curse. And... This means that bondage has come upon all of God's creation, humanity. Spiritual death has descended upon humanity and all God's creation. It's described by this word corruption. This word corruption, think with me for a moment. Uh, You probably have run into this. You could go to the city dump today uh, and where the dead dogs and animals, various animals have been pitched uh, and dumped uh, and no doubt would smell the stench and see the carcass that is teeming with maggots rotten. That's a picture of humanity as it's infiltrated with sin. And that's because of a separation from God himself. And that's mentioned in verse 14. All the unsaved are dead. Look at your text in verse 14. So what this means is more than just this life. This business of sin goes beyond. It's prolonged belong, uh, beyond this life. It's the death of the body, but not only the death of the body. It's a spiritual death uh, in a state of eternal separation from God, uh, in a state of conscious suffering. This is the issue of sin, and the Bible says plainly, that we're dead now in sins and trespasses, that continues on through eternity unless something changes that, uh, and it plays out powerfully now in life. Man has been expelled from the presence of God. I'm uh, preaching on a new uh, series that I'm uh, entitled Revival, Uh, and uh, very interesting. I've been reading uh, many books on this, but actually, the uh, uh, issue is man does have not uh, have the presence of God, but revival is the manifested presence of God, which is spiritual life. It's experienced uh, in being born again uh, and being filled with the Holy Spirit speaking uh, with other tongues. When Cain was sinned, uh, sinned he's expelled. From the presence of God, he's outwardly religious, but internally he's separated from God. He's rejected by God. And he says these words in Genesis 4, 13 and 14. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. 
Behold, you've driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from your face shall I be hidden, and I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer in the earth, and it shall come to pass that anyone that finds me shall surely slay me. The result of this is murder. It is hatred. It is anguish of life. It's human beings given over to their fleshly nature, and the news is filled. Five police officers gunned down in Dallas Talk, Texas. A minibus filled with explosives exploded in Istanbul, Turkey. Some 49 killed instantly, hundreds injured, and this is a result of this business of sin. A singer, a popular singer, signing autographs. And as she's signing autographs, a man walks up to her and shoots her and kills her dead. And so this is the result of this business of sin. All the chaos of our present society is rooted in this one word, sin. Same-sex marriage, pedophiles kidnapping children and violating them. Rampant drug addiction, uh, divorce, uh, social, uh, social upheaval, gender neutral restrooms, uh, all root back in this horrible, horrible picture of the flood of sin uh, that has come upon human race. Uh, and the Bible says that even the weather is affected by this uh, earthquakes, uh, tornadoes, uh, and floods uh, root into this curse uh, that has come upon the human race. Paul lays hold of this now and begins to speak to us uh, about this business uh, of being compelled uh, to sin. So I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about this text. It says, we have a ministry uh, of reconciliation. Now, we're in an era today of spirituality. Spirituality is not peculiar to Christianity. Many people are claiming to be spiritual of all different kinds, uh, but uh, uh, as they're religious, uh, they're unrepentant. Uh, when I was in Russia some time ago, I believe it was uh, 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 Poholsky, the boy that was in Cuba, uh, we were talking about religion. He said, it's interesting, this word religion, uh, religious uh, in Russia is interpreted weird. I said, well, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't think I could give a better description of that, uh, but that's not what Christianity is all about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 spells out, Christianity uh, is a religion of spiritual power. Paul writes in that verse, uh, and he says, For the kingdom of God uh, is in word, not in word, uh, but is in power. And so this brings us then to the issue that Paul has brought to the forefront, which is atonement. This is what he brings this word to the forefront uh, and says, God was in Christ uh, reconciling the world uh, unto himself. Verses 17 and 18 spells that out. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So here we have this business that was accomplished by the atonement, and believers are responsible to minister this word. Second Corinthians 5.19, to wit, 
that God was in Christ, uh, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So here we are in this conference. This conference is about establishing spiritual consulates. Catch the vision here because these words are very uh, uh, much alive in our news today. The Benghazi and the uh, the things that are happening in the in the religious uh, and the political world, and our uh, means is establishing consulates uh, with ambassadors uh, that are going to plant churches, uh, and these churches are going to be consulates uh, that begin to convey uh, this wonderful word of reconciliation uh, to a world. Uh, that is stained and lost uh, in sin. So when we plant churches tonight, uh, we are appointing ambassadors. This conference is going to plant churches. Can you say amen? amen? You may not believe that now, but God's going to shake your tree before we get through. <laughs> this conference is going to plant churches. These are going to be ambassadors uh, that are going to go and represent God and his kingdom. And this is what we're here because we're planting re representatives of our fellowship uh, to go out and speak for God. And this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. We affect uh, the reconciliation of lost humanity uh, with God. When Jesus had the 12 disciples, uh, he was preparing them for this. In John's Gospel, chapter 20, 21 through 23, he gathered the disciples together and he said to them, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, so send I you. And when he'd said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive you the Holy Spirit. Whosoever sins you remit, they're remitted unto them, and whoever sins you retain, they are retained. Think about that for a moment, because that responsibility belongs to us in this tent, not next year, tonight, as we begin to enjoin this conference. Billy Graham, at one point, uh, he was so popular that some people were uh, suggesting to him, Billy, you have such influence, you need to run for president. Billy gave a very insightful answer, uh, and he said these words, uh, I would not stoop to be president uh, because I'm an ambassador to the king. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Can you say amen? Thank God for that. You and I tonight in this tent are exalted in a position that we have for God. Now, we heard a report from J.W. Ballinger, which is very, very interesting, because J.W. is an ambassador for God. He is a representative of our fellowship in Samoa. You heard his, uh, his, his report tonight, and he was asking us to pray for him as he's there in Samoa because God's offering him some very unusual opportunity. Now, can you think about that? Blythe, California. <laughs> you even think about it, you get hot already, sweat begins to run off of you. Uh, God bless you folk from Blythe. We're not insulting you. 
But think of that from Blythe, California, exalted to be an ambassador, and we'll tell a little more about that in a little while. So let's talk about the urgency now of the task that we have, because the perspective is very clear as the apostle comes to grips with this, because we are a discipleship and a church planting movement. Think about what I've said. This is the dispensation of the church. This is what God is doing. If uh, Acts 15, God is taking out of the Gentiles uh, a people for his name. Uh, Ephesians 2, he's joining us uh, with those of the Jewish race. Uh, the m- middle wall of partition is removed. Uh, and out of the two, God is making one new man, Ephesians 2. And that's the church uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, and this is what God is doing Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, Jesus said, I am building my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So think about this for a moment as we're pondering this wonderful opportunity that God gives to us, that the issue is to plant consulates. One author says, we hear a lot today about mega churches." defined as congregations that have 500 or more attendees uh, on average every Sunday. These churches serve the majority of U.S. church churchgoers. Still, according to the Hartford Institute for Religion Religious Research, 177,000 churches in America, about 60% of us Protestant congregations have fewer than 100 attendees each week. The median number of worshipers in a Sunday morning service uh, is 75. Now think about that for a moment, uh, because this isn't to give you an excuse for a small church, uh, but this is giving you dignity to understand uh, most of American Christianity comes out of uh, those small churches uh, that uh, the large churches spend their time trying to proselyte to get enough people to function on, uh, and this is it. I have a wonderful memory tonight, and that memory is the man that I met in 1977 in uh, Australia. My wife and I went into Australia in 1977. We went into uh, uh, all of West Australia, and uh, we ministered for some three weeks uh, in different churches, and I met a man. This man was a farmer at that time. He was moved uh, by the Spirit of God, he became a part of our fellowship, and he began to pioneer church in Darwin, uh, uh, Northern Territories, Australia. Now, Darwin, uh, Australia is way up there in Australia. It's isolated from everything, and he pioneered a church in that place. Neil Prosser was his name, a prince of a man. Uh, The church never did get larger than 150, I think. But Neil got it. Some of you here don't got it. (laughs) Neil got it. He understood what God was saying about church planting, discipleship, and evangelism. And he made a statement that I have uh, uh, treasured because that captured the spirit of our fellowship. He said... Don't tell me how many uh, chairs you fill. Tell me how many churches uh, have you planted. Neil Prosser is with the Lord now, but he was a church planter. 
some of his own children he sent into ministry, a prince of a man, and he got the idea of what our fellowship is all about. So let's bring this down uh, to the wire. The spiritual issue is uh, that we're talking about eternal life uh, and death. In this conference, we're talking about heaven and hell. In this conference, we're talking about lost souls uh, and their lost souls in this audience tonight. I understand that. But that's what we're talking about tonight. Life and death. Not just now, but for eternity. Uh, and we need to consider that and ponder that. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. For the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And he died for all that they who live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. There's a song that I heard years ago, a haunting song. So send I you to labor unrewarded. This is a generation that wants to labor, and they want their results now. But our fellowship has been able to capture the lives of human beings uh, so that they're willing to give their lives. I was talking this morning to pastors at breakfast, uh, and I repeated a statement that I've made before. I said, if you want to be a pastor, it'll take your whole life. The difficulty we have today is we have hobby pastors. They want a little bit of religion. They want to uh, get all the benefits of life. They want medical insurance. They want a retirement income. They want to be able to carry the credential, come to conference once in a while, stay in a motel room. I'm a pastor. That's a hobby pastor while they work and make a good living. But I want to tell you that if you want to be a real pastor, it's going to require your whole life. So let's ponder this because that's just been voiced there. And the word is used, uh, constrains us. Now, I preached a variation of this uh, uh, sermon, not this sermon. Uh, Mike White's a friend of mine in, uh, in uh, Australia, and he's, he's good at, uh, when, when I preach, he'll always come and say, uh, uh, Pastor Mitchell, you preached that in 1978. I said, no, I didn't preach that. I just put that together last week. <laughs> so I preached a variation of this in... Uh, in uh, in Adelaide, and so I use this illustration. Uh, the pastors in New Mexico uh, some years ago gave me a wonderful gun. Now I know that some of you bleeding hearts are going to get a little skirmish up, you know. Just relax. We're going to get out of this alive. They gave me a Seiko uh, gun, two twenty three, and a loophole scope. I don't know how much they paid for it. I don't even want to ask. But they gave it to me, I think, on my 60th birthday or 70th birthday. And so uh, when I go to Farmington, New Mexico, uh, the Navajo tribe is plagued with uh, uh, prairie gophers. They call them prairie dogs. <laughs> David Maldonado buys me a license because I always take my gun up there in our plane. And uh, the, what he told me, he says, the, when they sell a license, uh, the ammunition store will give you a free box of 22 shell because the Navajos uh, want you to kill prairie dogs. 
You go out into their fields, and those prairie dogs are running everywhere. They're eating part of the crop. They're ruining the soil. And so uh, this uh, little gun that I have is a jewel <laughs> for prairie dog. It has a bullet. See that, all you bleeding heart? That's a bullet. B-U-L-L-E-T. Now I can pull that bullet out, dump the powder on here, light it with a match, and go... You see, I hold a bullet in my hand. I can put that bullet in that 223 Seiko, and it has a crosshair on that scope, and it will drive that bullet like the speed of sound, and you can kill a prairie dog as far as you can see him in that scope. D graveyard dead. The trick, however, is to focus, because at long distances, uh, if you can hold it on the cross on his head, it'll disappear. <laughs> but the trick is focus. So here we have this issue, the Apostle Paul says, the love of God constrains us. That means it does more than just... It will cause an enabling of the gospel of Jesus Christ to accomplish what the Apostle Paul has said, to bring life to human beings who are lost and bound for a devil's hell. Think about this word for a moment to focus. You see, self-interest, self-exaltation, self uh interest will cause you to be just a little bit off. Uh, and just like that bullet uh, that comes through the, ga the, the chamber of that rifle, you'll miss the opportunity that God has given to you. This conference is to bring us a focus tonight. This co conference is to grasp hold of our hearts uh, so that we will begin to understand something that is there because we are going to give account. Jesus says uh, he's in Galilee. He needs to go to Jerusalem. And he said these words, uh, I must needs uh, go through Samaria. Now, Jews did not go through Samaria because the Samaritans were a people that were filled with idolatry, ungodliness, immorality. They crossed over the Jordan River into Perea, went down to Jericho, crossed back over. But Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. There was an immoral woman in Samaria. She was at the well. Some commentators say she even may have been a prostitute. Jesus saw one lost soul. That one lost soul had an appointment with eternity. And he came to there, that's a woman of the well, John's Gospel, chapter 4. A woman that was abused, had been married five times, divorced or rejected five times, now shacking up. 
shacking up, not another uh, alternative life, shacking up. <laughs> this generation hates plain speech. They get nervous when I speak because they begin to tremble, you know. <laughs> shacking up, fornication for you, send you straight to hell. But Jesus saw that dear lady, and that day he traveled, uh, had an appointment, read her to eternal life. Uh, she was never to be the same. From that encounter, went back, the entire city came out uh, to Jesus Christ. Uh, and this is what we're about tonight uh, in this conference. See, the Old Testament has a very interesting passage of Scripture because we will account tonight uh, for the personnel and for the resources that God has placed in our hands. You're sitting here tonight. Maybe you just came. You're just uh, cruising along. You know, just, yeah, well, we'll hear Mitchell. We'll Listen to me. God will bring you to account tonight the money that you have and for the personnel that are under your influence. Mark my words, he will bring you into that. Paul is talking about priority here. That priority is resources. This is the man who, when he's visiting one church, he said, I'm coming, but my aim is regions beyond you. And I'm expecting you to help me go to that. The Old Testament gives us a parable uh, of the eagle. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 10. He found him in a desert uh, land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, and he kept him as the apple of his eye. Listen. As an eagle stirs up her nest, flutters over her young, spreads abroad her wings, takes them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Now, this is the story of Israel. God made their position in Egypt so unbearable that they cried out for deliverance. There are men and women in this audience tonight Catch the picture of the eagle. Gives birth to little eaglets in that nest. That nest is all feathered with the soft material. And they have a wonderful place. Mom and dad feed them. I open their mouth and they drop it down half digest. It's a wonderful life. But it's not their destiny. There comes a time when it's time for eaglets to learn to fly. And so... Mom and dad take out of the nest all the comfortable stuff uh, until pretty soon it's, uh, it's not comfortable anymore. <laughs> Briars and sharp sticks are poking them in the butt. <laughs> Perhaps they're even withholding some of the food that's coming. Uh, and so it's a softening up process because pretty soon uh, their wings have grown. It's time now for them to launch out and they come and throw them out of the nest uh, with their wings and blow them out, and they're falling down and down and down. But the eagle comes in, swoops up, catches them, takes them up again, and repeats the process uh, until the little eagles are learning to fly uh, to meet their destiny. There's people here this evening that the nest is being uh, made hard for you. Can you catch the picture here? Because God has a destiny for you. 
That destiny isn't that comfortable place where you are. It's regions beyond. And the reason that you're having so many problems are because God is softening up you for the overflow that he wants to pour upon you, has a purpose for you, but he can't get you to do that while everything's comfortable. So let's think about this for a moment. I was thinking, using J.W. Ballinger, he sent an email recently from Apia, Western Samoa. Pastor Greg, I want you to pray today. The prime minister's son-in-law goes to our church. He called me last night and asked if I could come and pray for the prime minister's niece. She has cancer and is not doing good. She's very well known on the island because of her job. And being the prime minister's niece, I'm asking you to help me pray for a supernatural creative miracle. Thank you, Pastor Ballinger. Then he writes later, thank you for your prayers. The lady's name is Margaret. Before I prayed for her, uh, she had lots of pain in her back. After praying, she said, there's no more pain. Thank you, Jesus. She's the chief executive officer of the labor board uh, here on the island. Please keep praying for a miracle. I'll keep you posted with any uh, uh, updates. Blythe, California. <laughs> to Samoa. An ambassador for Jesus Christ and has the opportunity to pray for someone that hundreds could be influenced by the power of God. If you're at home in the world, you're in the wrong place. Well, Pastor, things are going good here. Well, you know, they were going good for Philip when he was down in Samaria. A revival, a earth-shaking revival. And God says, Philip, this is not the place for you. Move out. For one Ethiopian in the desert that had an appointment for Philip to give him the gospel of Jesus Christ and lead him to salvation. I was in Guam, the Marianas Islands. And as I was there with Glenn Cluck talking, he said, Pastor Mitchell, what would happen if numbers of our mature pastors uh, who have proven that they have good ministry, they built churches, if they would resign and go overseas, or if they would go into a leading city in America, which is just like going overseas, Chicago, Los Angeles, uh, Atlanta, Dallas, Texas, uh, New York City, it's just like going over, probably worse than overseas. What would happen? I said, it would be a revolution take place. Ooh. <laughs> Pastor Mitchell, what would happen? God would be very pleased. I can tell you that. Because the Lord would be honored and impact would be made. Listen to this statement. And I close. It's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive 
to do the deeds. Who knows great enthusiasms, uh, the great devotions, uh, who spends himself in a worthy cause, uh, who at the best knows uh, in the end uh, the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, uh, at least fails, uh, while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls uh, who neither know victory nor defeat. What about you tonight as you're sitting in this place, in this conference? Uh, remember, you're going to give account of your resources, the people that you influence, and the decisions that you make. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. No one moving around for the next several months. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. You've reached the end of the preview of this Testimony Tuesday episode. If you want to hear the second half of this interview, please use the links in the show notes to subscribe. You'll get daily sermons, full testimonies, and an interruption-free listening experience. And every dollar goes to world evangelism. Thanks for listening to this episode of Testimony Tuesday on the VBPH Sermon Podcast.